everybody it's your boy state of the state of the new york knicks podcast episode 148 i got my guy in the building sports vibes tv how you doing brody it was good state how's everything with you i'm good man i'm in a good mood um I, I'm in a great mood, bro. <laughs> I'm in a great mood, man. And you, man? I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. We're about to hit Wednesday, so, you know, halfway through the week. You know, weekend's coming upon us. Yes, so sir. always a positive sign. You feel me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And with that said, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. But... I want to get the I I want to give Luca Vildoza some love, so I want to talk about him first, if you don't mind. Yeah, so definitely. What you want to know, State? I got you. So so I we, we got to know everything, bro. Um, I've been watching his games, and I've been seeing a guy who's like you say, um, he's rusty, but I see the point guard p- potential in him, right? I see Campazzo, that's his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Faku. I I see him, and he looks more composed, but we got to mind ourselves that he's been recently playing basketball. He was in the playoffs. And Luka just looks rusty, but he looks good out there. Um, Smart player, uh, nowhere to be on the court. I like that he loves to move the ball. And he's fearless. He takes ISO shots. I seen him move to, today against Team USA where he got a guy on skates. He was looking like Austin Rivers in the ISO real quick. So I, I just want to know uh, your take on Luca Vildoza. I know you did a video on him as well. And I want to know, and if you got some numbers, please present them, please. The floor is yours. Yeah, well, with Luca, you were talking about he had a defender on skates. Well, he had two defenders on skates. He had Garland on skates uh, on the left side of the court, and then he did the same thing with a nice little sidestep reminiscent of James Harden on the right side of the court over on uh, against Draymond Green. So he was yep. out there showing what kind of moves he has in his toolbox. And I think when it comes to Luca being rusty, you see him mm-hmm. being rusty when it when you look at how he's performing in the second half. Like the last two games, he's been very good in the third quarter. I think the second game against Nigeria, he scored all his points in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the third quarter, second half. So with Luca, uh, once you see him get a little bit more into the flow of things, you're definitely going to uh, see a, a better version of him. But one thing he's showing out there on the court right now is he can shoot. Yes. Yes. And that's a fact. He, he's showing you he can shoot in a multitude of ways. He can shoot off the dribble, and he can shoot in catch-and-shoot situ- uh, situations. So that's showing that he can play off-ball when he's over here with the Knicks. And even tonight, to, today in the game against Team USA, he had a nice uh, pick-and-roll assist in that third quarter as well. But one thing I do have to say about Luca is sometimes he puts a little bit of too much air under his mm-hmm. passes. And in the NBA, where you have you know bigger, faster athletes they're going to be able to intercept some of those passes so he was lucky in this instance that the pass was able to get through but that's definitely something he's going to have to work on while he's here i mean when he's here and another thing when it comes to numbers i was kind of crunching the numbers and i was looking at the box score so luca he played 23 minutes and in those 23 minutes he was minus two Mm -hmm. now 
Argentina lost by 28. So that means when Luca was on the bench, Argentina was minus 26 in 17 minutes. So it kind of shows you the impact Luca can have when he's out there on the court. Because he didn't have gaudy numbers. You know, he only had nine points. I have the box score in front of me. He had nine points. He shot uh, three or six from three. So 50% yep. from the three-point line. That's phenomenal. And we definitely three need rebounds. more shooters. Two assists. Yep. And he was three or eight from the field. So he was 0-2 on two-point shots. But he'll he'll figure things out, I think, offensively, especially when it comes to getting into the paint and finishing. But right now, we're able to at least see him knock down three-pointers consistently. Bro, you're missing the main thing, though. Thibodeau is a defensive guy. The mm-hmm. guy got a block and a steal. <laughs> it, those, those are the things that... Thibodeau was looking at. I, I, I could understand the the shooting, and mm-hmm. he has been shooting well, actually. Um, I think that was the main thing you was talking about when uh the Knicks first announced they signed uh Luca Vildoza. And since the game against Australia, he's six for fourteen from three. And mm-hmm. it's nice to see that he could score from in a variety of ways, like uh mid-range pull-ups. Uh, pull-ups from three, off the dribble, ISO situation, pick and roll, uh, pick and pop. It, 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 it's nice to see that we have another weapon. I, I'm interested in what role would you like to see Tibbs play him in and, and what else would you like to see from him during the Olympics? Well, one thing when it comes to Luka and his defense because he's a high IQ player, he's able to, you know, get those steals. He's able to get those blocks, but he's definitely going to have to work on his defense. There were reports that while he was here working uh, in uh, the facility, they brought in a defensive coach to kind of work with him. So he hustles. He has high IQ, which allows him to to capitalize on the other team's mistakes. But mm-hmm. he's definitely going to have to work hard on his defense in order to stay in front of some of these quicker, uh, more physical guards in the NBA. And when it comes to the role, I want to see Luca get more minutes, and I want to see Luca operate more so as the uh, primary option or the the, the point guard. Because when he's out there with Faku, a lot of times he'll defer to Faku because Faku is thirty one. He's the uh, He's the elder statesman on the national team. You'll yep. also see Luca defer to uh, Scola. You know, you know Scola's forty-one, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> so you're seeing that with some of the troubles of of Argentina to start. You know, with these with these practice games, uh, with these friendlies, I guess if you want to call it. But if the coach starts running the offense a little bit more through Luca, I think we'll be able to see what Luca can do. Uh, when he's running the second unit. Because I think with his first year with this team, I think we should see him try to solidify that spot as the, the you know, the lead guard, the facilitator, the one that's holding down the point guard position when we're, he's out there with that second unit. It, and it's tough for me, right? Because I, I, I love everything what you're saying right now. And as I'm, I'm listening to you talk about Luca Vildoza, I'm thinking about Derrick Rose. And the reason why is we have Emmanuel quickly on the contract, right? So we know he's mm-hmm. coming back. We we also know that. Well, quickly, you can't guarantee that with the way rumors are swirling, bro. <laughs> 
So what you saying to me? Hey, <laughs> I'm not in the front office, but if you go based off the reports, man, everybody's available right now. No, 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 no. That's not the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you're not, you're not about to be around the bush on this one. So. You, we know what the reports are going around. You know the college sex mm-hmm. reports, right? So you're saying that if we was well, Quick that, wouldn't be involved in the Colin Sexton okay. deal. That was more so trade for like Lillard or something. Oh, you know, okay. a big splash. Okay, I, I, okay. I was making sure um, the the Damian Lillard uh, trade talks to the Knicks is dead. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, it died, especially with that Kawhi news. Yes, yes, and, and, and I, I I feel like I'm. Well, I'm not happy for Kawhi's injury news. I'm just happy that we're not going to be in those discussions anymore. I feel like we're we're not at that stage. And Damian Lillard is like a he's a he's a final piece that you trade for. He's not the guy you bring in and then you try to get somebody. No, that that mm-hmm. that's not. Um, but back to uh, Luca Vildoza, right? So. You said the role that you want from him is to be the primary playmaker off the bench. Now, it's it's tough for me for multiple things, right? So, one, the Derrick Rose thing. I got to ask you, do you think Derrick Rose will be back? See, that's tough because when you listen to what Derrick Rose said at the – his – press conference at the end of a uh, game five I think it was it didn't sound like he was too enthusiastic that the the Knicks would be trying to bring him back you know it sounded like he said the Knicks had big plans and he wasn't sure where he fit in those plans so the fact that he was hitting free agency and that was something that really wasn't brought up either between him and and Leon Rose or maybe even Tibbs kind of makes me think that you know Derek Rose's tenure uh, with the Knicks is probably over. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if we do bring back Derrick Rose, like I was saying about Luka earlier, Luka can still play off ball. So if you want to bring back Derrick Rose and have Derrick Rose play the one and still use Luka where he can be more so of a, a microwave option, because that's what we've been seeing a lot here in the Olympics. We've more so mm-hmm. seen Luka be, you know, a, a scorer. He has gotten, you know, two assists here and there, but for the most part, he's out there getting his own shot off. And that's because I think this Argentinian team, they're focusing a little bit too much on their older players and Mm -hmm. they're falling behind in games. And Luca pretty much is their only option right now to get their own bucket. So, you know, that's the first thing, right? The Derrick Rose thing. The second thing is the Emmanuel quickly factor, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, hypothetically speaking, Derrick Rose don't come back. That's best for both parties. I mean, he could go get a ring, and then for us, we could give we could give. Basically, you're giving quickly a bigger role. That that that's mm-hmm. what you're saying. And you believe in this kid, uh, Luca Vildoza. Um, how does Luca impact Emmanuel Quickly's role? If he was, if if he was in the rotation, I don't think it would really impact it much because I'll, you know, refer back to Lucas play on the Argentinian team. Mm-hmm. He plays with Faku, and they both share some of the responsibilities when it comes to initiating the offense and getting the their teammates and the 
right positions to score. So if the news is correct, which was reported that Emmanuel quickly is getting a lot more work as the lead guard, then you can see, you know, instances or scenarios out there on the court where Luca can, you know, initiate the offense one play or Emmanuel quickly can bring the ball up. And then we already know quickly can play well off ball. That's what he did when Derrick Rose came here. And right. if now he's working on that ability to be a lead guard, to be someone that can set teammates up and, and kind of get the offense started. Now we can see Luca do what he's doing with the Argentinian team. Now is kind of being a scorer fo focus on being a scorer in a limited amount of minutes where he's not going to be exposed. So if you have Luca out there for 20, 25 minutes a game, it allows him to not be picked on by opposing defenses. I mean, by opposing offenses, you can kind of, you know, help him out or not have him out there where they can kind of take advantage. Because defensively, you know, you said he had the defensive stats. That's going to be, I think, his biggest issue or his biggest hurdle when it comes to getting on the court. Because we already know how Tibbs is. So if we have Emmanuel quickly out there, if we have Luke out there together, they can work in tandem. And I don't think it'll really, you know, mess up any of their play styles. Because I think if Emmanuel quickly, what they're saying is true, that he's actually going to be able to be a point guard instead of being what we would call a combo guard or undersized two, then I think Emmanuel quickly and Luca's skill sets work well together. So my understanding from asking you those first two questions, you're basically saying that Derrick Rose is going to walk. <laughs> I'm saying if Derrick Rose does walk, we have options in-house. All right. All right. I think so, backup point guard would be our, 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 would be our lowest concern when you look at the way this roster is built. I agree. And <laughs> it's funny that we're we, we talking about backup guards because now the rumor today is Colin Sexton. Mm -hmm. And – you know, I've been on the college section train for about five months now. Like, I've been, I've been telling people that's my number one option for the Knicks. You brought now, him up the last time I was on. It, yep. <laughs> it, so, I want to know if we was to – because I, I don't want to segue just the, um, the college section talk just yet. But if we was to get a guy like that, where do you see uh, – Sexton and, and, and Luca playing, like how do you see that that combination going together? And also, second part to that question too. Mitchell Robinson. Now I've been I've been thinking about him this whole time we've been we've been talking this podcast. How do how does Luca Vildoza affect Mitchell Robinson as well? So the first. Uh, one when it comes to Luca and a player like Colin Sexton. Well, yeah. Colin Sexton is a, a scoring guard that is probably going to be looking for his shot. So if you have Luca out there, Luca can then hold down the role as facilitator and get everybody else involved. And then Colin Sexton can focus primarily on putting the ball in the basket. So that pairing right there would work as well. It would just be the issues, like I said, defensively would they be able to hold up against the opposing team's backcourt? Now, that when it comes to, to Luca and Mitch, I think that is 
where we might see the biggest growth from Mitch because Luca is very good in pick and roll situations. And he's also great at waiting and forcing the defense to make a decision before he acts. So if he's getting into the paint, he'll, you know, make the read off what the defender is doing. If the defender is going to stay back on Mitch, then Luca has a mid range. He has the floater opportunity, the floater that he can, you know, shoot. He actually knocked one, I think, down uh, in the game against Nigeria, but they ended up calling it a foul uh, on the uh, the defender, and he had to shoot free throws. So when you add Luca's basketball IQ to the way that Mitch can, you know, attack a defense with the way that he can finish alley oops and play above the rim, it's going to be similar to what we saw with the Hawks with Trey Young and and Capella. I'm not going to sit here and say Luca's as good as Trey Young, but I'm going to say Luca probably understands the game of basketball as good as as Trey Young does. So he's going to be able to attack those situations in a in a similar fashion. So the fact that we have Mitchell Robinson and also Obi two players that I think uh, mm-hmm. would flourish in pick and rolls with Luca, I think that bodes well with the core. And we're going to see Obi, I would assume, in summer league with Luca. So we'll, we'll see a preview of that. Oh, man. Obi, Obi, Obi. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if Obi's here, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I love the I love the Knicks uh young core. I love their roster. I love how they built the team. You know, none of our players play alike. And a guy like Luca Vildoza, I just love international guys because they play smart, they play hard. I don't think they're soft. Um just good basketball. Good basketball players, man. They just play the game the right way. And I like the international stage. Because the it, it seemed like Team USA just don't know how to play without refs. Um, this is another reason why I'm kind of high on Luca Vildoza because he played overseas. He knows how to manipulate the refs. He knows that in the NBA they're not going to call the same fouls that they're calling in, in the national play. So it, it's nice to have a guy like that come over and who can actually produce. I'm not saying Frank Nelikina didn't do basically anything for us, but we expected much more, um, I'm going to assume. So, you know, I can't wait till we get to see Luca Vildoza in a Nick uniform, man, honestly. Um, and any, State, any, let me any, just say one thing, uh-huh. too. A lot of people try to come at international players, but if you look at the NBA, who was the yeah. MVP this season? Jokic. <laughs> and who is arguably the best young talent in the game right now? Giannis. I wouldn't call Giannis young. <laughs> he's, I, well, he's I young. Mean, he's 25. <laughs> Wait, true, true, but, you know, in, in terms of bat, you have 18-year-olds in the league. You have 19-year-olds in the league. So, so Luca. <laughs> All right, then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another man. international player, but even Giannis, I'm, I'm saying Giannis ain't young, but Giannis is an international player too. So yeah. people really shouldn't continue to think that just because players come from overseas that they're not necessarily as good 
as some of the top talent we have in the NBA. Because a lot of people say, oh, look at all these international prospects that come over and don't make it. Well, look at how many collegiate players get drafted and don't make it. I would That's assume the percentages are probably a lot closer than you would think. That's dead facts. It, it, I, I, I don't know. It's just that stigma. You know, Pete, you're, you're from another country. Uh, you're not tough. You didn't grow up here. Uh, sometimes it could be, honestly, I'm a black man. So honestly, it could be you looking at a, a guy from another skin, skin color. You know, you don't think he's tough because he looked this way or his hair is that way. It, it, it's always stereotypes, bro. I, I, I swear, like, it, it, they just be right. stereotyping uh, foreigners. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's correct. Shit, even Stephen A had to apologize today. Yeah, yeah, that's the big news story right now, yep. <laughs> People get offended by stuff like that. And the, another prime example, when Montrez Harrell said to uh, uh, Luca, Luca Doncic, bitch-ass white boy, and mm-hmm. then everybody was going crazy. Facts. Why? We know. We know why he said that. Because Luca <laughs> is European busting his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. On national TV. <laughs> so, you know, we just got to be real about that, man. And can we just stay on the Olympic stage real quick? On the Olympic mm-hmm. setting? Um, I want to know what you're seeing from the Olympic team and the reason why they're losing. And and how, and is it the rules, the Olympic rules, the way they call fouls and travels affecting Team USA's game? Well, they're definitely going to have to adjust to the different style of play with FIBA. That's why they kind of get these warm-up games. Because if you were to drop them over in Tokyo and tell them to start playing under these rules, oh it's gonna my take God. a yeah, there'll be a lot. You think they're complaining now? Imagine when they're over in Tokyo. So, <laughs> you know that, and also you have to remember they don't have their full squad. Chris Middleton is still in the finals. Um, I don't want to hear that, holiday. bro. You come on, bro. Nah, bro. You not come on. <laughs> nah, bro. You, you ain't see how Luca was cooking garland out there. <laughs> that nah, might be a bro. different story if it's Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, you don't think? He giving them 42. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know, because Achua did lock him up against Nigeria. It was, you know, Luca tried to violate Precious Achua. Uh, uh, he tried to clear it out. <laughs> and Precious was like, you ain't going nowhere, bro. <laughs> Yo, he is cold, bro. <laughs> yeah, he got hot. He got hot, man. He's confident, and that's what you like to see. Yo, he is the coldest. Out. He's one of the coldest I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he's cold, bro. Like, I, make you know what it is. Today's NBA rules. You can do a lot more. Like, remember when we was growing up? It, it, it was tougher to score. So. Mm-hmm. Today's NBA rules, man, Luca is taking full advantage, bro. Like yep. you're averaging 29, 9, and 9. You're 20 years old. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, but the reason why I wanted to talk about uh Team USA real quick is because of how their team is built. Right? So they got Dane, they got uh Bradley Bill, 
you got a guy like Tatum, you got Kevin Durant, and you got Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. I want now I'm gonna relay this question. We got our B team. A lot of the stars took off, and I don't mm-hmm. know how Kevin Love got sent over Julius Randle. I think the international community should have felt disrespected by that one. Yeah, because it, it basically looked like the team USA said we could send a flyer over. You know, he's yeah. not gonna play. He'll just be over there cheerleading. I'm like Julius Randle could have helped you guys if you guys decided to bring him along. Honestly, they should have. It should have Zion Randle. Miles Turner. That's what they would have been better options. Not even better options. They just look soft. They 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 don't have no physical guys that's gonna bump you. Durant, he's finesse. Bradley Bill, he's finesse. Dame, he's finesse. Like nobody wanna watch you shoot threes all day, bro. (laughs) Well, they think it's a well. We are we do I think we do have a a slight advantage because the three point line is a, a little bit sh- closer, so they're gonna get three point happy. You know, a long tooth in in FIBA is a three. Yeah, but it, it, bro, it comes to a point where it's like you got to you got to play inside out in the Olympics. We, growing up, when we watched two thousand eight. That Olympic team, the 2012, bro, they had everything. At every position, it was a two-blade player. Braun, young KD, young Dwight in his prime, Kobe, mm-hmm. Chris Kobe. Cole. You should have led with Kobe. I don't, you, you took way too long to get to Kobe's name in that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, being, kid, kids of today don't understand how, how great Kobe was. Right. So when I hear people say Devin Booker reminds them of Kobe, I feel disrespected. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a bunch of arguments about that one. I gotta see, man. Kids don't know, bro. Like Kobe was a different type of animal. Like I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get another Kobe Bryant. I don't know if we'll ever get another Allen Iverson. Um. And then I don't well, know if I ever get another Shaq. I think the thing is, people don't understand the difference between someone being the next, let's say Kobe Bryant, or their game being similar or reminding you of said person. You know, you you you. Those are some pretty big shoes you have to fill when you're gonna tell somebody they're the next Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Yes, that's five rings, brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's five rings. That's a lot of respect earned. That's a lot of blood, sweat, tears. That's a lot of hours, nights in the gym. You know what I mean? That's a fact, bro. That That's why I'm so happy that we got so, so heading right back to the Knicks. Um, That's why I'm so glad we got these players that we got on our team right now. They never get in trouble. We never hear about them in the club. I'm I'm pretty sure they got all they side females on hush. They got them on hush. <laughs> so I, I'm happy for what we got. But getting into the final part of this pod, we got to talk about this Colin Sexton news in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just need to get your take on everything without even me asking you a question first. I I, I need to know your feelings on. It. My thing is, when it comes to Colin Sexton, it, it's not so much about the player. It's just the alternative options. When you look at what we'd have to give up for Colin Sexton, 
I feel like we can we can keep those same players, go out and sign, bring in Alonzo Ball, and we're gonna end up getting more from the, this roster, I believe. Because Colin Sexton is a solid player. He's performed well since he's been in the league, but I don't look at him as a point guard that's gonna make those on this roster better. Mm-hmm. Yes, he'll probably come over here and, and get his numbers, but we our biggest issue was getting some of these other players involved, getting them going. You know, Julius Randle did a good enough job of it, but when Julius Randle kind of got taken out of the situation or the scenario, you know, mm-hmm. yes, it'll be nice if Colin Sexton can, can score, but I think it'll take a lot more than Julius Randle and Sexton to be legitimate you know, championship contenders at some point. I think a foundation built around those two and RJ is not going to be enough when you look at some of these other teams, both in our conference and uh-huh. in the NBA. I love. I think Lonzo's a, a, a better a better route because you can go after Lonzo. If you feel OB is, a, a, is still trade bait, you can move OB and maybe bring in somebody that can fill in that, that start in three position for us, as opposed to using that on a Colin Sexton where there's a question mark is he going to be the type of point guard that's going to make, you know, Mitch better? Is he going to make uh, Julius Randle better? Because I think one thing I like about Luca is if you look at Luca and put him in like a pick and roll, pick and pop with Julius Randle, that's a dangerous combo right there. Is Colin Sexton, is his basketball IQ high enough? Is his feel of the game high enough where he can be put in those pick and roll situations and be as effective as, say, Lonzo Ball, as Luca? as you know some of these other premier of past first point guards in this league like a chris paul i love everything you just said the reason why i love everything you just said is because now i'm here to sell you on on it but i'm gonna come at you a different way because it's what i'm hearing from you is you wouldn't mind it but you don't trust him as your lead initiator am i correct Facts. So, let me try to persuade you real quick, right? We do the trade. Uh, Kevin Knox, Obi, the 21st pick in the draft. We gain $6.5 million in cap space, right, after we do that trade. Sexton still only makes uh, 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 six-plus million dollars in, in, for his normal contract. So we would still have 50 plus million in cap space. So is there in an alternative world where I could sell you on us trading for Sexton and still offering Lonzo a contract in free agency, in restricted free agency, or we can go the Kyle Lowry route, offer him two, two years, 50 million, so he can mentor these young guys and then have Colin Sexton play off ball so the pressure is less off of him as well. See, but here's where that gets tricky because uh-huh. yes, Sexton only makes six point, what is that, six point eight mil? I think it's about six point eight. It, it, it's low. In that ballpark. Yes. But you would still have to factor in a contract extension. And if you trade a blue chip prospect i would look at obi as a blue chip prospect on this team if you uh-huh. move on from that player you're giving colin sexton a lot of leverage in negotiations and you, because you just gave up an asset 
And now you're pretty much going to have to retain Colin Sexton. So that 6.8 this year is, is fine and dandy, but next season that could balloon to 25, 26, you know, 27 million, who knows? Not only that, but that timetable, that's also going to be where Julius Randle's potential contract extension is going to kick in. Or if we offer him a new contract, that would be the first year of that deal. And then you also have to factor in Mitchell Robinson, who Uh his contract situation has to be resolved. So the cap, you know, the uh, cap space starts getting real murky if you make a move for Colin Sexton and then also have to pay him big money. If you can go out and get Alonzo and be able to plan ahead, say, all right, we're getting Lonzo for, let's say, 18 to $20 million a season. We know what that is going to be on our cap for the next four years. We can then approach Julius Randle. We can approach Mitchell Robinson and, and try to take that extra five or six million that we probably save from bringing in Lonzo at 20 as opposed to giving Colin, you know, 24, 25, which isn't even the max that he would be eligible for. I think he can get upwards of, of 27, 28 mil. If we can take right. that savings and give it to Julius Randle, give it to Mitchell Robinson in contract extensions where we all agree they're going to get a raise, I think our cap situation is, an, is in a, a lot better place moving forward. Because we didn't even get to an R.J. Barrett potential extension. And if we all expect R.J. Barrett to be a, a potential star, you're looking at another max right there. So I, I agree with you, right? But CAA runs the Knicks. So if this trade, if this supposedly talks, right, the Knicks are the most aggressive, CAA runs the Knicks. When Colin Sexton was drafted, his agent was a, was Leon Rose's partner. And I know they would be talking about a contract already. So the thought of us ret- uh, getting Colin Sexton, you have to have the idea of Randall's your guy, right? You know you're going to pay Randall. You have Colin Sexton on the contract for the next four years or Lonzo Ball, or in a crazy world, you can still get both if you offer um, Colin Sexton 20, uh, $25 million a year. You can still offer Lonzo Ball $20 million a year. I'm saying I wouldn't mind it because both players would fill a lot of needs that we don't have on this team right now. And it will move R.J. Barrett to the small forward position. And so I'm just, I'm just saying to you, I'm not really worried about the cap space because there's no superstars on the market, bro, until 2025. If you look at the next few years of free agency, there's literally no superstars, bro. You don't want a 34-year-old James Harden. You don't want – basically every superstar right now that's going to be in free agency is going to be in their mid-30s. I don't know if I want to go that route. I love Lonzo. He's not a penetrating guard. He's not a Tibbs lead guard. That's my only issue with Lonzo. So I can see why the Knicks can be looking at Colin Sexton, but I can see why they can be looking at both. I I think it's possible that they can really get both, bro. If they really, hmm, if they really believed in Julius Randle as their guy, because I, 
if Obi's in these talks, if we're in these talks with Colin Sexton, bro, Obi's gonna go. And just to be objective, Obi's sitting behind an All NBA player. He averaged eleven minutes, and he averaged four points, which was worse than Frank Nilakina. And Frank Nilakina, we all know how a lot of people feel about him. So, um, what what would you give up uh, for Sexton? One and and I know you love Lonzo, so I need I need to know personally what's the type of contracts you would pay them both. What Sexton? First with How Sexton. Would... Yeah, because I um since the rumor is up about Sexton, but I also want to know what would you pay um Lonzo Ball to to pry him out of New Orleans because I know they don't want to pay him twenty million. That's well. Yeah, the Pelicans, I think the reports were that the Pelicans, they're not going to match a substantial offer. So if we can get Lonzo for about 18 mil, if you look at comparable players, I think Malcolm Brogdon is somebody you can look to uh, a comparable player if Lonzo Ball reaches his true potential. And I think, uh, well, I won't say his true potential, but Lonzo Ball could have a similar impact to a Malcolm Brogdon. And if you look at his contract, he's making around 20 mil. If you look at Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet is making similar money around 20 mil. So if I could bring Lonzo in right around there, that 18 to 20 million dollar mark, I think that would be the sweet spot. Looking at comparable players, Colin Sexton, Sexton is, is interesting because yeah, he's out there getting his numbers, but it really wasn't conducive to to winning or or any kind of success. I mean, even if you look at some of the numbers, I think his plus minus was towards the bottom the last three seasons. So mm-hmm. I'd be hesitant to tie up a, a lot of my cap to Colin Sexton, honestly. I'd probably give him something similar to uh, Alonzo. I feel like they both do different things. And I feel like on the right team, they could flourish, and I think this team, the New York Knicks, I think we're better fit or better set up for Alonzo Ball to flourish as opposed to, to Sexton. Because if we're going to take the ball out of Julius Randle's hand, I'm going to want a player that's going to average either as many assists or more than Julius Randle. What did Julius Randle average this season? Six? Six. Six assists right around there. So yep. if we're taking the ball out of his hand more and putting it in Colin Sexton's hand, is he going to be able to create the same amount of open looks and opportunities for his teammates as Julius Randle? Because if not, then I feel like the offense is going to take a step back. And if we looked at the team and looked at what we really needed from a point guard, it was mm-hmm. shooting and being able to get teammates involved and, and get open looks for, you know, Mitch, Obi, those players that can't get open looks for themselves. And the Knicks last season had a lot of those type of players. So Colin Sexton, yeah, he shot 37% from three. So that addresses the shooting concerns. But is he going to be able to get good looks, get easy looks for Mitchell Robinson? Because when you have a point guard like that, that's able to get these guys gimmies right by the basket or wide open threes, it starts Mm -hmm. to get them into a rhythm. And then they're a little bit less reliant on that point guard or, or whoever the facilitator is to get them open and good looks. So is Sexton 
going to be our answer there. I'm I'm really not sure. I don't think he is. I know I saw some highlights on Twitter towards the end of the season where he started to show some sh- some signs, but mm-hmm. if I'm going to go out there and pay 20 some odd million for a, a point guard, I don't want to have that many question marks. Like the, the big question mark with Lonzo is he is he going to attack more? I feel like under Tibbs, you're going to be able to get a little bit more aggression from Lonzo as opposed to getting Sexton to stop having tunnel vision and and look for his teammates a little bit more. I mean, we've seen some track history where it worked with Julius Randle, but when you look at how some of Colin Sexton's teammates responded to him on the court, it it gives me a little bit of of reason to be kind of cautious when it comes to approaching (laughs) that situation. Yo, it's tough. It's tough. Because both of those guys... I, I know they instantly make the Knicks better. <laughs> Both of those guys bring different things. I know Sexton mm-hmm. averaged 24 last season. I know Lonzo only averaged 14. We both know Sexton is the way better scorer. But we both know that Lonzo's the way better playmaker. Lonzo sees mm-hmm. the floor better. But we both know that Colin Sexton drives to the basket more. But we both know that Lonzo is the better defender. <laughs> so, Lonzo's bigger too. What is Lonzo now? What, 6'4", 6'5"? Lonzo's 6'6". 6'6". Six, six. Six, six. Yeah, he's 6'6". Six, six. You, don't, you, you don't play basketball without shoes on. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's 6'6", six, six, brother. <laughs> um, Sexton is probably like, what, 6'2"? Um, it, well, so- he's listed, I think, 6'1", but a lot of people say he's a little shorter than that. Mm. Wow. So I, I would love either guard. For me personally, I would love Sexton more. Um, just as far as like the plus minus thing, the Cleveland Cavs, the, the lineups he was running with, bro. He was running with lineups that had JaVel McGee and Andre Drummond. You're asking the men to pass the ball, Isaac Okoro, Seti Osman. And I, I, I can't even think of the other guy's name. And Dean Wade. And Larry Nance Jr. Um, I listen. I, I don't know what what more can we ask from the kid. Yeah, it was twenty five, six point six assists when Garland was hurt. But Lonzo Ball on the other hand, his numbers skyrocketed as well when mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe wasn't on the court. And obviously, his idiot coach played him as yep. shooting guard. Took it, the ball out of his hand. Took, yep, took the ball out of his hands, put the ball in Zion, Zion's hands, which is smart to a degree. But, dude, Zion is 280 pounds. You do not want that man on ball. You're going to destroy him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you're bugging. And you take away the lobs. I didn't see no lobs from Lonzo to, to Zion last season. Stan Van Gundy, horrible coach. And... It's remarkable the way Lonzo has improved his game. He shot eight threes a year this season. He increased his free throw percentage tremendously. I remember you shooting sub um fifty percent from free throw. Um, he always been a good defensive guard to me. That's the one thing I will give to Lonzo. Um, both is great options for Thibodeau. I I I really got to know. If we got both, how would you feel? If I got, if we got both, 
it'd be interesting <laughs> to say the least because I don't know to have a backcourt with Lonzo Sexton and then to have IQ and then Luca off the bench. That's a lot of question marks to go into next season with because you got the question of, of will Lonzo be aggressive enough to be effective under Tom Thibodeau. You have mm-hmm. the question of if Lonzo isn't aggressive enough, will Colin Sexton be able to handle that responsibility? And then Luca will be a rookie. And IQ, if we need him to be the facilitator, this is going to be something that he, I believe he didn't get enough time to work on last season with the acquisition Agreed. of Derrick Rose. Like, Derrick Rose was phenomenal for us, and I still think, it, you know, I'll admit it was a good move because it helped get us to the playoffs. But me personally, uh, headed into the season, I wasn't expecting us to win, you know, enough games to get into the playoffs. I was expecting us to, you know, fight to get into that, you know, that uh, elimination. Uh, <laughs> was it 7 through 10? But, yeah, man. You know, playing. that's why I, the playing. Yeah, that's why I wanted to see a little bit more from Emmanuel quickly at point guard just so he can get his feet wet and try to 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 learn and get some more experience running an offense because he wasn't able to do it much in Kentucky. They didn't have him run run the offense. So with the Derrick Rose acquisition, it kind of set his growth back. So to have all those question marks in in, in the backcourt, I, I would need something. I would need somebody a little bit more uh, solid, somebody that I could rely on. So you'd have to bring in one more veteran point guard, I would think, just to make sure you you know you have someone that can tips tips can look to at the end of the bench bring in and say hey hold it down for us yeah um tips got a lot of options man leon rose got a lot of options i i just i just hope he do the right thing man you can't like spike lee yes you cannot come out of this off season with 60 million in cap space two first round picks and tell me our point guard son in this Cameron Payne. I, I, I can't accept oh, that. Oh, no way. I don't think so. I, 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 can't, I can't accept Even that. Cameron Payne is just a, a backup point guard as well. <laughs> it, I can't accept You might that. have a better version of Cameron Payne and, and Luca. <laughs> <laughs> we just might. We just might. And, and we see how he's playing. We see how Ken Pazzo played in the playoffs. Yeah. Scrappy, IQ, smart, passes the ball. He takes good shots. We need more players like that. Um, quickly, I agree. It's a lot of questions on quickly. What I will say about him, he had no training camp last season, bro. And he mm-hmm. had no summer, um, summer league. So we're, we're going to be able to watch quickly in this year's summer league. And I'm hoping he averages at least seven to eight assists. Um, that's what I'm mainly looking for. And I'm mainly looking for mid-range jumpers. I want to see if he could get develop some type of in-between game. Um, another huge, huge question mark is will Derrick Rose be back? And if he's not going to be back, what's going to be Quickly's role? Does Quickly start? Um, you got the Sexton rumors going off. The Lonzo Ball rumors. You hear the Clippers is interested in Lonzo. You hear uh, the Chicago Bulls is interested in Lonzo. Listen, mm-hmm. 
our guard spot is so open right now that any guard that's looking at our guard rotation and saying, look, man, I got a chance right now to do something special with that guy, RJ, and that guy, Randall, and, and some of those guys over there, man. So, you know, final question, man. I'm a, I'm gonna let you get out of here because I want to uh, I want to get ready for Loki. But but for anybody who's fans of Marvel, I want I, I want to get ready for Loki. So um, I, I'm so glad we recorded this at this time. But ultimately, what I want I want to know your prediction. What you what you think happens within the next week and a half? Because I'm I definitely want to talk to you the day after the draft because I know the draft is usually your thing. I know you look at a lot of uh, video, so I know whoever we draft, you're going to be looking at a lot of video of that person. So I I, I just need I just need to know. You want to know who I think we draft? No, I want to know. Uh, no, I want to know what do you think Tibbs does ultimately at the point guard spot. What do you like in your heart of hearts? What do you think is going to happen? Because something's going to happen net between now and next two weeks. When is the draft? The draft is next week, correct? It's the either the twenty eighth or the 29th, I believe. It's it's the twenty ninth. So, yeah. I, after the draft, I know free agency is a few days after that. Mm-hmm. What do you think within these next three weeks is going to transpire in your heart of hearts? Even if it's something you don't like. Well, that Kawhi situation kind of threw a wrench into things because I, I was really thinking that the Knicks might go out there and and make the splash for Lillard. You know, hit the panic button and, and try to, to jumpstart this thing. And that was my biggest fear. So, like, you know, like you said, you don't want to be glad that Kawhi got, you know, hurt or anything, but at least that closes that chapter. For the New York Knicks. Yes. So, so my prediction, my predi- I think we get Lonzo because there's no way there's been this much chatter between the Knicks and the Lonzo and something doesn't happen. And I think it just makes too much sense. Now, what happens outside of that will be interesting as well, because do we go after a Powell and bring him in to, mm-hmm. to play the three or move RJ to the three and have him play the two? Or do we package picks try to move up, see if we can get another wing to, to, to start in the draft. You know, I wish we would be able to move up and, and get somebody like, like Moody, you know, uh, late in the top 10. But, you know, I don't think that's too realistic. But I don't see Tibbs going into to training camp with four rookies. So there's definitely going to be some trading. Uh, uh, there's going to be some moves during the actual draft. The one move that I really want him to do, I really want him to go get Wiggins in that 14th pick. Yeah, I have seen you say that on Twitter. (laughs) That is the one move. Because if you get Wiggins in that 14th pick, Wiggins, I know his contract is is, is blasphemous. It's stupid. I know it's shitty. It's 30 million. I know. I understand. The 14th pick, though, and you package that, with the with the nineteenth pick, with some cash considerations, can you get the tenth pick in this year's draft? Would you? 
even well, better. What are we moving to get to fourteen? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing a hypothetical. Now that it's it's on my mind, I'm just throwing a hypothetical out there. Um, would you would you be interested in that trade package, the Wiggins in the fourteenth pick, or would you take Steven Adams in the tenth pick? I know people said Eric Bledsoe. I don't want nothing to do with Eric Bledsoe. I don't like Adams. What what's Adams making? Is he making twenty or twenty five mil? He's making. <laughs> it's crazy who it's crazy who the Thunder decided to pay. They decided to pay Ibaka and Adams over keeping the gang together. That's that's interesting. It, I, that's a forever what if. That was yeah, one of my favorite yeah. favorite teams growing up. Bro, I was in Cuba watching that finals. Pissed that they lost to LeBron, man. I was vexed. <laughs> Yo, you what's crazy about that? At the time when I was young and I was watching that team, I was I didn't know how good Durant, Harden, and Russ would be. I didn't see them being this good. Mm-hmm. But hindsight to tell you, you keep those three together, yo. <laughs> you know, it was the fact it was the fact that Harden was really coming off the bench and he wasn't really given the keys like he was when he went to Houston. So I, I can see why people you know, didn't know Harden was going to become what he did become. And I can kind of understand why Presty might have said, hey, you know, let's move on from him because we got KD and 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 Brickbrook. But the thing is, you know, mm-hmm. Presty's at those practices. He should be able to see yeah, what James does. Harden is doing. And make We have excuses. Presty don't have any <laughs> excuse. Presty and that coaching staff, no excuses. <laughs> they, they let James Harden walk for $5 million because they didn't want to pay luxury tax, something that we would never have to go through with James Harden. Yeah, that's a, yep, that's a snap effect. So, that's, wow, that's another moment in history, man. But that, let's not use that as, 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 a, as a bragging tool because there's been a lot of years where we've misused <laughs> those additional funds. So, even us, we still got to get it together. Yo, we uh, final question. Mm-hmm. I gotta get this out the way. Do you feel like our 2017 and 2018 draft picks are mistakes? Frank Nitty and Knox? Well, yeah. I mean, I think hindsight, yes, you would say they were a mistake because I don't know if Frank is coming back. If Frank doesn't come back, then that closes the book. Then yes, it was a mistake. But Kevin Knox still has some time to redeem himself. He still has one more year on his contract if we don't trade him. So I won't say for certain mm-hmm. it was a mistake until we give Kevin Knox an opportunity to, you know, show us on the court because Tibbs didn't really give him much of a chance. So as long as he's on this roster, I won't chop it up as a mistake. But at this point, you can definitively say there were better options. Because if Kevin Knox blossoms and he's still a contributing player and at some point becomes a star and small forward, I won't say we made a mistake. I would just say that there were better options. But, you know, the person or the player that we picked, you know, things worked out eventually. But if Kevin Knox continues on this trajectory, trajectory, then definitely it was a mistake. Man, I, I, I hope. Secretly, I'm going to tell you this, and I know people are going to hear this when I put this up. I would rather keep Knox than Obi. 
Um, sound it sounds crazy. Well, there's more space. There's a, there's actually a, a a spot in the rotation or in the lineup for Knox if he gets it together. Obi's kind of stuck behind Julius Randle, so I can understand where you you could uh, have that feeling or have that opinion just based on the roster construction. And plus, he's young. He's 21. Obi's mm-hmm. 23. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, we say that, but Julius Randle didn't really get his stuff together until this season. <laughs> so there's still room for improvement this time. Bro, when Randle was 23, I think he was averaging 16 and 10, bro. <laughs> True. How many minutes was he getting, though? <laughs> it, 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 bro. It's relative. I, it's, it's cool. This is the reason why that this is exactly one of the reasons why I didn't want to draft Obi. <laughs> this is exactly one of the reasons why I didn't want to draft because of what you just said. It, it, 23 years old, lottery pick, average four points. Kevin Knox has never given me f- five straight games of zero points. I don't think he's ever given me that. And Obi's given me that. And he's two years older than Kevin Knox. Very alarming. Um, I I hope Kevin Knox stays here. Or I'm praying he, like you said, better floor spacer. But, you know, it happens, man. If they get traded, you know, I wish not, nothing but the best for him. If Frank Nilakina walks, I wish nothing but the best for him. Just... So, state. Let me ask you a question, real quick. Yep. In college, what was Obi, you know, best at? <laughs> um, that's funny. I think it was his motor. That motor uh, rolling, yeah. getting to the basket, finishing yeah. around the rim. Yep. Ha- have the Knicks put him in that position? No. Often they have no. him standing out the, out on the, the the three point line, trying to be a spacer. So if we're not putting the guy in the best position to succeed, you're, you're going to see diminished results. And like you said, he's 23. So if it's going to take him a little longer to kind of learn a completely new role in the offense, why are we trying to throw that on him? Year one, let's get him in a position where he's comfortable attacking the basket. And then let's continue to then let's start working on him trying to to space the floor out a little bit not saying we got to take him away from the three-point line completely but i think he averaged 31 percent from three you know why were we using him almost exclusively as a a spacer if he's taking less threes i think that three-point percentage is going to come up maybe it might get him to 34 35 and then he's a lot more effective you know operating like that on the three-point line and still getting to the basket uh off you know, off rolls, you know, getting to the free throw line, getting into a rhythm. I think if we used him like that this season, we would have saw, you know, much better results. That's on tips, bro. That's on <laughs> tips, facts. And I'm telling you right now, I'm out on tips. <laughs> bro, I'm, bro, I'm telling you right now, you will not be seeing no praise from me next season for Tibbs. I'm not blessing him on no regular season wins. That man, <laughs> he he was an abomination in the playoffs. He was so he was, bad. It was bro. rough. It was rough, bro. He and uh, let's excuse Julius Randle because his performance. You can't excuse Julius Randle. <laughs> he gets no excuses. It, all right, 
<laughs> so he, he gets no excuse. He played pathetic. He was god awful in the playoffs. Mm. But Tibbs was even more pathetic. And what made it even more embarrassing for me is he lied, literally looked in the camera and said, We're gonna throw everything in, in we're gonna throw everything in the kitchen sink. Right. Luca to- wasn't even at the arena. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, he lied off the rip. Luca not even at the game. It, it, it the, the Luca stuff. It's the you want to throw everything in the kitchen sink, and you come out the next game and you do the same thing, thinking mm-hmm. it was going to work a different way. So, so that's the definition for insanity, bro. Bro, and, and then it's the little things he was doing. You playing your starters twelve straight minutes, bro. Hold up. Obi can't get in the game and it's a mm-hmm. blowout game. You up 24 minutes left? Randall's still in the game? No, mm-hmm. red flag. Because you lied. You said you was going to start um playing players less and you was going to distribute the minutes the way you did. The excuse I mainly hear, bro, every time I, I say this to people, oh, well, Tim's did. He didn't have enough talent on the bench. I don't care. <laughs> How he don't have enough talent on the bench? We got a we got a boatload of top ten picks on the bench. <laughs> Plus, quickly, <laughs> we got Knox, we got Frank. <laughs> we <laughs> pick your choice. We got Obi. Come on, <laughs> and he lied, right? And he said, "Well, there's going to be a competition for minutes," and and and. You get your minutes uh, 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 according to the way you play. Well, God damn it, Emmanuel quickly should have started all season over Alfred. Mm, Alfred. <laughs> God, at the beginning of the season, Knox was out playing Bullock. When Burks came back off injury and Knox was hot, you completely removed Knox from the rotation for Alec Burks. Mm-hmm. Burks in the playoffs was so trash. He took so many bad shots. He don't know what a hockey assist is. He doesn't know how to pass after a pick and roll. I need him gone. Directly. I mean, he has playmaking abilities, but he looked like he was playing for his next contract. Yes. <laughs> That's what it looked like out there in that Hawk series. It was like, okay, Burks, you just going to dribble the ball for 13 seconds and then take a contested shot? Okay, that's what we're doing tonight, all right? He was doing that all season, bro. I, you, you late to the party. You you know you, you know why you were so confused because you seen all them fourth quarter heroics he was doing, and you was and, and, and it totally blindsided you. You you, you had a blind side, blind eye to it. Because hey, you know what they say: winning covers up a lot of funk. <laughs> and I attribute Obi some of Obi's non-scoring performances to that guy. Because he mainly played on ball, he would never pass the Obi. And mm-hmm. I listen, I don't I don't care if somebody thinks it's a conspiracy theory. I think I thought he was playing selfish all season. He looked like he was playing for his next contract. He it, it looked bad. And it affected Obi. Because Obi, you know how many times I see an Obi run up the court with his hand up and nobody's giving him the ball? Yep. Until Derek Rose. Well, Derek Rose you started to look for him when he got here. 
But outside of that, I mean, there was some moments where IQ and Obi had a connection, but for the most part, Obi was out there on the island by himself. And that's tough. You can't, uh, Obi's a guy, he needs a point guard, he needs a guy to set him up. You see John Collins. Yeah. In that second unit, if Obi stays. Well, if Obi's here. Mm -hmm. Um, For for sure, I, I love Obi. I love his talent. I just don't I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it with Randall here. I, I, I don't see a way where you can develop them both. In, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt you there. That's why I said, you know, I understand if, if Obi's going to be trade bait. I just don't know if Colin Sexton is the player we should dangle Obi for. I, I understand. Because think about it. The, if if Colin Sexton was that point guard we think he is, then why would the Cavaliers be moving on from him to go draft a point guard in Jalen Suggs? I, I don't. What? It's it, not football. He's not trying to reset the money. <laughs> yeah, yo, if the Cavs do that, they're one of the most dumbest organizations I've ever heard. You really, that would that would be the only thing that would make sense if that if that's the case. Well, they got Okoro, so they probably and, and Mobley might not drop to them at three. No way in hell Mobley drops to three. Yeah. Uh, if they draft Jalen Green, that's a log jam. You got to trade Sexton because Green is going to play the two. True, true, true. You know, so they got a lot of question marks. Yeah. It, it's tough, bro. It's tough when you're trying to, like, Tibbs just make this thing just so. I, I, I can't really get a grip on this team. As far as like what they're gonna do, they're tight. They're tight lipped. They don't talk a lot. Leon Rose don't talk to nobody. Steve, I'm used to Steve Mills and his chatterbox. He, he, <laughs> he he's out here getting mixy. <laughs> so I, man, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just hoping that the Knicks don't make no stupid moves. Uh, honestly, um, a move like Demar Derozan. Yeah, something that don't make any sense. We need shooters, and we bringing in someone that can only score from the mid range and in the paint. Ridiculous! Oh, um, somebody that can attack at all three levels. Let me ask you another guy. Since I got you on it, man. All right, the, the questions just keep coming to my mind. Man, I'm gonna just keep asking. My fault, bro. Mm-hmm. You, no, it, okay. you, all right, all right. How you feel about Duncan Robinson? Hmm. conflicted because he is a shooter he's mm-hmm. he'll knock down the three but i feel like the same player i said earlier norman powell if we go after him he's a player that can shoot the 340 uh and he can play better defense than duncan robinson i think the biggest benefit of of signing duncan robinson would be weakening the heat so you know i like powell just because of that defensive intensity the fact that he has won a championship over in Toronto, and I think if you're going to be legitimate championship contenders, it's good to have somebody on a team that's kind of been through those battles and, and fought in those trenches. So me, Norman Powell, would be a player I'd go over uh, Robinson. But I, I see where the allure is. You know, he's a knockdown shooter. And like I said, it'll, it'll weaken the Miami Heat as well. Yeah. But 20 mil, I don't know. No. These contracts no. are getting hefty. It, hell no. 
<laughs> How much did Bertans get? You know, Bertans ended up getting what he got like 16, I think, something around. Nah, he got uh, I think he got 20. I think he got a four-year, $80 million contract. Yeah, you see how that worked out for for the Wizards. I, I, I don't know. That's a you lot of money to give Duncan Robinson. You can't pay you can't pay players who's one trick ponies that type of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh for example, right? We talking about Mitchell Robinson contract and people talking about how much they would pay Mitch. Mitch has yet to show a jump shot in three years. So that scales his money down a bit. Now a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, you gonna get that man for 27, 30 million dollars. Cause he could put the ball in the basket and he can space the floor. It's tough to evaluate some of these guys and, and some of their contracts. Like I I I looked at Tobias Harris' contract. That man oh. makes bro. <laughs> bro. 36 million next season? Really? Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know. James Dolan, please don't don't do none of this garbage. Mm, don't follow oh. in those footsteps. I pulled up Breton's contract. He made he it, the average value is about 16 million. He makes 15 the first year, 16 the next two. 17 a year, four, and then he has a player option for another 16 mil. Oh, damn. (laughs) So, you know, that's what, that's the salary they're going to base Duncan Robinson's salary off of, I would assume. He's not going to make less than that. Hmm. So 16. I mean, it's not a good example for (laughs) It's not the greatest example, I would say, looking at how uh, Bertans performed. But his agent is just going to say, hey, Duncan Robinson is not Berton, so you ain't got to worry about it. I'll pay him 20 mil. (laughs) How do you feel about Malik Monk? Monk is another interesting option. Uh, It's just, I feel like, yes, we should bring in young players, and I I like Malik Monk, but Mm -hmm. where are we going to play him? We're going to move RJ over to to the three? And then have Malik Monk start as the shooting guard. Because it looks like we already have Luca entrenched as the backup point guard and IQ entrenched as the backup shooting guard. And I guess if you were to swap, you can swap the two positions. So if we're bringing in Malik Monk, it would I would assume it would be the start. Mm. I, I the only reason why I said Malik Monk, because you know Kenny mm-hmm. Payne, Malik Monk, the they got connection. You know, we got Johnny O'Brien to work with the guards. Mm-hmm. He would make way less money than Duncan Robinson. I think he's the type of guy you could you could steal him off Charlotte for for about uh two year twenty million, you know, ten million a year. I think you could take a flyer on that. Uh in mm-hmm. in that event, you're correct. We're moving RJ to the three. That and I Honestly, you watched the Olympics. You watched RJ mm-hmm. in the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he looked six seven two thirty. He 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 reminded me of Ron Artest. That that's the way his body build looked. So you think he's ready for that uh, small forward spot? I, the only reason why I was against it, I just wanted to save him. Um, Thought about at like twenty five years old, I would try him at the small forward spot. But do you think he he could be ready for that now? 
I mean, I think this season, R.J. Barrett played at the three uh, a lot of times. I can pull up the exact amount, but I, I, I think as he continues to grow older and, and get bigger, he can start being uh, a full-time small forward. Only thing is, right now, there's times where he kind of gets gets bodied. I think preseason, there was a play where Sadiq Bey just completely moved him on a drive to the basket. Uh, I, I got the stats right now. It says RJ played 16% of his minutes uh, at small forward last season. So he spent time at small forward. It's just usually he goes up against the opposing team's backup three. Mm. So to go up against, you know, the Kawhis of the world, the LeBrons of the world, that's going to be, you know, a lot for him to handle. Uh, I mean, I'm saying that, <laughs> and I think Norman Powell is like what? Six three, six four. He's a, he's yeah. small as well, but Norman Powell is a, a lot more solid. And I think in those situations, you could put Norman Powell on a on a bigger player like LeBron and still kind of hide RJ on the opposing teams too. That's why I like you know Norman Powell so much. The fact that he can play multiple positions and he's good defensively. So I mean, back to the player you were referring to, Malik Monk. Uh, I just don't know if I mean he would be like a Plan B, Plan C. If we're not able to get a bona fide stud, he would be like a stopgap where you still have the potential for him to grow. Hey, what's up? What's up, Nick Nation? This is the end of the episode, episode 148, uh, State of the New York Knicks podcast. I had my guy Sports Vibes TV in the building. We was just talking about Luca Vildoza and Def. Um, he puts out a lot of videos about Luca Vildoza, about draft prospects, about how he feels. And, you know, I just want his, you know, his opinion on Luca Vildoza. Uh, I'm impressed with Luca Vildoza so far. Hopefully we can see more when the season comes. We spoke about the Colin Sexton rumors and why he feels Lonzo is a better fit. And, you know, that's why I, I, I love having guys like Sports Vibes TV on, on my pod because they're always objective, right? And you never want to record with somebody who's always agreeing. At some point, you know, two people have to have disagreements so they could both learn why the other person feels the way they feel. And that's the reason why I like guys like Sports Vibes TV, man. Guys who think outside the box, you know. But I appreciate everybody who tuned into this episode, man. Uh, Tune in to the next episode, man. Shout out to y'all, man. It's your boy, State.